welcome to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and oh boy, the NHL, my God, I don't even know what's going on anymore. The, uh, the Caps are losing to the Islanders. By the time this comes out, they will probably have already lost to the Islanders. And the Canadians are still alive somehow. And everyone else, in the Eastern Conference at least, is already going home. <laughs> or moving on to the next round. The, the, only, the only teams that are left are uh, the Flyers of Montreal and the Islanders and the Caps. And, oh my god. What in the world was Game 5 of the Flyers-Canadians? I mean, I get it. I get what happened. Of course, the... Of course, the Canadians would play like that. They had nothing to lose. But, oh my God, they're going to get... Like, they're going to get beat up on Friday. It's guaranteed to happen. And that that is easily one of the, the wildest games I've ever seen. I've never seen a goalie almost get pulled and then the coach just send him back out there to keep playing. I can't really say I've ever seen that before. That's That's a pretty new... That, that's definitely a new thing that I have never seen before. And then the goal gets called off sides. You leave the goalie out there. He plays pretty much fine for the rest of the game. Like, that fourth goal was not Carter Hart's fault. <laughs> that fourth goal was the fault of the fourth line and third defensive pairing being out there right after a game-tying goal, which, A.V., you're better than that. <laughs> A.V., you're so much better than that. And, and now everyone's complaining about Matt Niskanen's hit on Brendan Gallagher. One, Gallagher had that coming. He was playing like a pest the entire game. So he was going to get hit. And the only reason what happened happened that he got a little bloodied was because he's so much shorter than Matt Niskanen. If he's even two inches taller, that hits him in the upper chest and nothing happens. Like... Nothing at all happens. That hits him. That hits him right across the upper chest. Maybe, maybe right below the chin, and he's good. But because he's so short, he got whacked right in the teeth, knocked a couple of them out, and his mouth started bleeding a little bit. And he was talking crap to the Flyers bench that entire time. So I don't, I don't think it was such a debilitating hit that just completely knocked him out. No, like it was a hit. That hit him in the mouth because he's so short. That for that reason and that reason only. Like, if he's any taller, that doesn't happen. And him and Nick Suzuki are just gonna get beat up so bad <laughs> in game six. Like it's not gonna be pretty. And the Flyers finally got their power play going. And they still lost. But some of those ice time decisions, my God. What were why were the third and fourth line, like the fourth line, why was the fourth line getting so much ice time? They they really shouldn't be getting that much ice time in any game, let alone a playoff game. And they really shouldn't be out there after a momentum swinging power play goal like that. And we saw the results. That led to the game-winning goal in Montreal's favor. Because they went up 4-3 and they ended up winning 5-3 because of the empty netter. And that's the thing. 
I kind of expected this series to go six because Montreal was playing with absolutely nothing to lose. And they took out the Penguins for the same reason. Now, the Penguins and Flyers are two completely different teams. The Penguins were playing like trash when the season paused back in March. Like, that's that's definitely a thing that happened. Like, the Penguins were playing like absolute garbage. And they had that loss to the Canadians coming. Like, that was, that was going to happen. Because they looked down on their opponent and they got screwed. Now, the Flyers have been guilty of that a little bit in this series too. But I think they are significantly better and significantly better coached to be able to bounce back from that and win game six and move on to face probably the Islanders, which unfortunately is going to be more of the same as far as style of play. Like playing against the Islanders is going to be pretty much exactly the same as playing against Montreal. So I hope the Flyers are ready for more, but that's the thing about the NHL playoffs. You can go from not really caring about a team, totally indifferent to them, which is what I was with Montreal. I thought it's like, okay, they're a crap team who lucked into the playoffs because of the season getting shut down the way it did. And starting back up with a ridiculous playoff format. That's how Montreal got into the playoffs. They were technically the 12 seed in the Eastern Conference and would have missed the playoffs by a country mile under normal circumstances. So when they put up a fight because they have nothing to lose, I'm not really surprised. But, and Carey Price is still a freak of nature. The rest of the team may suck, but Carey Price is still Carey Price. Like, he was just as much a part of that win in game five as the Flyers not playing up to their potential and making some questionable personnel decisions was in uh, in the Flyers losing. Like, Carey Price pay, played just as much a part in that. And I'm not surprised. Dude's still ridiculously good. He's still Carey Price. He's just stuck on a crap team. And hopefully the Flyers will bounce back. I think they will. I'd like to think they will because everyone's talking bad about the, the top guys like Drew and Couturier and Voracek. They've been on the ice for most of the goals the Flyers have scored. Like, they aren't personally scoring it themselves, but they've been on the ice for most of the goals they've scored in this series. So, they're doing a lot of the work on offense. They're just not getting the credit for scoring the goals. And that can happen in hockey. Like, hockey's a weird game like that, where the stone-handed defensive defenseman can just happen to be standing right in front of the goalie because he's huge and the puck takes one bounce off his stick and it goes in, he gets credited with the goal, not the guy who took the shot that bounced. The guy who took the shot that bounced gets an assist because that shot then becomes a pass. 
because the guy deflected it, and that counts as a goal in his favor. And the Flyers have been doing a lot of that because that is the best way to score on Carey Price, is get in front of him and hope for those dirty goal rebounds. Because he's too quick to really score on him any other way unless you have a ridiculously good shot and you time it perfectly. Which, again, the Flyers are capable of, but it's still really hard to do. Especially in a playoff game when you have guys hanging all over you. And they should have won that game. The Flyers should have won that game, but I will give them a pass on this one. I'm not as worried as some Flyers fans. Like, oh my God, the series is over. Let, we shouldn't have lost that game. Let's just pack it up and go home. No one goes 16-0 in the playoffs, guys. No one has ever gone 16-0 in the playoffs. No one ever will go 16-0 in the playoffs. That's straight up impossible. Like, there is a reason the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy in sports to win. Because, sure, you have to win 16 games. But sometimes, that could take you 28 games. You could go 16-12. and 12. It's a very real possibility. You just go to seven games every single round. It could take you 28, all 28 possible games to win 16. With several of them going to overtime. Sometimes multiple overtimes. So really, you're technically playing more than 28 games. If the overtimes go far enough. It's the hardest trophy to win in sports. And for some teams, the journeys have ended. Columbus, Carolina, and Arizona, they're all gone. And really, that's about what I expected from all three of them, at least after the first game. Because I thought Columbus still had a chance against Tampa. But then that five-overtime game happened, and Tampa still won. And I figured, okay, that's, that's probably it for Columbus. They don't have it this year. And, I mean, props to them for even getting this far. That that uh, qualifying series with the, the Maple Leafs was a war anyway. So the fact that they did to Tampa what they did is still pretty impressive. Carolina, same deal. They, they went, well, they, no, they, they pummeled the Rangers. <laughs> they pummeled the Rangers in the first round, but... They ran into a much better team in the Boston Bruins. Now, do I have much hope for the Bruins going forward? No. <laughs> Not at all. Because Tuka Rask opted out. And the Bruins don't have anyone capable of filling that void that he left. So they may have beaten the Hurricanes. But I don't have too much hope for them going forward because depending on how the uh, the Caps Islanders series goes, and if if that does fall the way the score lies right now, and the Islanders win, the Islanders are playing the Flyers, which means the Bruins are stuck with the Lightning as a second round matchup. So uh, have fun with that, Boston, without your without your starting goaltender. Have fun with that one. And Arizona, yeah, they just they just deserved what was coming to them. Their offense was 
hilariously inept the entire playoffs. I'm surprised they even made it into the real playoffs. And it was really bad against against uh, Colorado. Like, oh my god, they they got wrecked in the final game. Like 7 to 1. And that one goal came in garbage time. Like the Avs went up big and they never looked back. Like there were many, many stop. He's already dead posts on Twitter about that game. And honestly, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I didn't think the coyotes were all that good this year. They have clearly as they proved no offense whatsoever. Hopefully they'll do something about that because like, Clearly, the whole non-natural markets thing is working because Austin Matthews is from Arizona. <laughs> like, he grew up in Arizona watching the Coyotes, and he became a first overall pick. So, clearly something about the Coyotes existing is working. So, it's better for the overall growth of the game if the Coyotes are good... But I can also understand why no one, as far as free agents, wants to play hockey in Arizona. Because, I mean, it's Arizona. It's really hot. All year. Doesn't really sound like fun to me. Like, at all. But... What can you do? I knew they weren't gonna they weren't gonna do all that much this year, but I didn't expect that level of ineptitude from their offense. Carolina just Carolina just got unlucky. Like they should have been a second round team. They had the skill to be a second round team. They just, you know, ran into Boston. Because like the Penguins should have beaten the Penguins should have beaten Montreal and that would have caused like a chain reaction that that changed the rest of the uh, that changed the rest of the playoff seedings, and they probably would have had a much easier first round matchup than Boston. But Carolina is in a particular spot. Like they are, they are still growing. I would say like they're they're still a team that's getting better. And now that Jim Rutherford's gone, like, and they've recovered from all the mistakes he made as GM, they're probably going to start to keep getting better. And when they can let their fans back in, like, they'll be right back on track. I I think they still would have lost if this game was played, or this series was played under normal circumstances, but they would have put up more of a fight. They would have stolen a couple games at home in uh, in Raleigh. And that's what tends to happen in the playoffs. Like, the, the neutral ice thing with no fans has kind of even the playing field. It's this weird mixture of somehow evening the playing field, but also just straight up favoring the better team. Which is insane that somehow both things are happening at the same time. But that's sure what it seems like. Because, like, if if Philly-Montreal 
was played in front of a crowd. Game one and two would have been in Philadelphia. I think they go... I think game one is significantly less close. And game two is less of a blowout. Game three in Montreal probably would have still gone the same way because Carter Hart was just on fire. Uh, Game four in Montreal, probably a similar situation because, I mean, shutouts. Then game five back in Philadelphia, that probably would have ended the series because you wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have had those big momentum swings from Montreal playing like douchebags, basically. The crowd would have been like booing them like crazy. They may have gotten called for penalties with with a crowd reaction. Or they may not have they may have gotten called for even less penalties because refs like sticking it to Philly fans, especially when Montreal is involved. Montreal, typical. But who who knows how this series well one this series wouldn't even be against Montreal. It would be against Pittsburgh. But it's still it's still hard to think that this game would have gone this series would have gone to six if it was able to be played in front of anything resembling a biased Flyers audience. Because like Flyers fans are nuts. I've been to games at the Wells Fargo Center. Flyers fans are insane. And I'm putting myself in that category too. So it's hard to know what would have happened and we never will know. Because, one, I don't really see Montreal making the playoffs next year either. Next season. Unless this series, like, really motivates them and some of the other teams ahead of them in the Eastern Conference fall off the wagon hard. Which... I mean, Pittsburgh could do. You never know. I mean, their their window slammed shut, and that core is getting old. But who who knows what the rest of the the NHL playoffs hold? It is the wildest, least predictable playoff in any sport. Like other than other than March Madness, the NHL playoffs are by far the least predictable. They're, they're the least predictable best of seven formatted postseason. <laughs> because normally the best of seven favors the better team. Not the case in the NHL all the time. So we'll we'll see what, what the rest of the playoffs hold. I'm thinking it's going to be Flyers-Islanders in the second round because that's just what makes sense. And I'm really looking forward to that series. That should be a lot of fun because those two teams aren't necessarily blood rivals like the rest of the the old Atlantic division is. Because the old Atlantic division, we all hated each other. The Flyers, the Penguins, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils. We all hated each other in the old Atlantic division. But the Flyers and Islanders have this weird like grudging respect for each other and mutual hatred of the Rangers, Devils, and Penguins. Well, actually, everyone has a mutual hatred of the Penguins. But 
yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that series because shocker, I think that's what's going to happen. But the second round, especially in the East, it's going to be wild, and I'm really looking forward to it. But that's what I've got for the NHL. Up next, uh, COD League playoffs. They've had some issues. We'll get into that up next here on the mashup. All right. Now it's time for the Call of Duty League. We're back to eSports. And it's playoff time. And already, we've gotten several online issues. I mean, first game, first series, went off mostly without too much issue. Paris versus Seattle. Paris won. That was probably going to happen anyway, because like Seattle has been mostly a disaster this season. And that's about how I expected their season to end. A 3-0 sweep in loser's brackets, and you're done. But the second game should not have gone as long as it did and should not have been that close. But because of so many internet issues, because this game just doesn't work, this multi-million dollar game doesn't work properly, it went to five. OGLA should have swept that thing. Like, that's what should have happened. But it went 3-2 because Kenny kept having internet issues and why in God's name are we playing a multi-million dollar online tournament online? When we know the online in this game does not work. Even at the trash casual tier that I play this game at, I have had so many connection issues since the game came out in November. I have had so many connection issues for what is supposed to be a giant game. If if Riot, if Riot Games and, and Tencent, if, if we're being honest here, because without them, this wouldn't be happening, unfortunately. If Riot Games can get 24 teams from all over the world to Shanghai for Worlds this year. Which they are doing. They are doing a bubble in Shanghai for Worlds. If they can do all of that, now, five of those teams are from China. But still, that is 19 teams from the rest of the world. Three from the U.S., four from Korea, four from Europe. And then, let's see, that would be, what, 11? So that's eight more teams from everywhere else in the world. That, that's every corner of the world. And they're all going to Shanghai. When you have 12 teams that are almost exclusive, nine of which are in the U.S., one in, and then one in, or yeah, one in Canada, one in England, one in France. And I'm pretty sure that at least London and Paris 
have been in the U.S. for most of this. Because playing across the Atlantic Ocean is a bad idea, even in games with stable online connections. So I'm assuming that London and Paris have also been hanging out in the U.S. this entire time. So if you have 11 teams already in one country and one on the same continent, and you've had weeks since the end of the season, you couldn't figure out some kind of bubble situation. These teams are smaller. Like, most teams aren't even up to the max roster size of 10. Like, most of these teams are like 8-9 people. Plus a couple coaches. You couldn't figure out a bubble for that. And what? You have a grand total of... What, 10 commentators maybe? Not even that many? That's less than 100 people. Or no, that's... That's just over 100 people. That's like 120 people. Accounting for accounting for other team staff, accounting for, for refs, accounting for casters and production people, it would maybe be 200 people. Maybe. You could have done a bubble. If Riot is doing one for a tournament that is like five times the size, basically, between all the production and everything... In Shanghai, you could have done a bubble in Texas or Florida or California. California probably wouldn't let that happen. But Texas or Florida, you could have done a bubble. You really could have. And it probably would have worked totally fine. Why are we playing this multi-million dollar tournament online? You're Activision. You have the money. Like, if Overwatch League can fly the top two teams from the North American half of the playoffs to Asia, quarantine them for two weeks, and play the finals in Asia, and figure out some logistical way to make that time zone friendly for everyone, you couldn't do a bubble with 12 teams most of which are on the same continent already. You disappoint me, COD League. I called your first season a success, but if these playoffs keep up with the connection issues, that opinion may change. You could have done a bubble. It wouldn't have been that hard. It wouldn't have been that hard at all. But no. But no. They had to do online in a game with a broken online connection. That doesn't work for even the normal players. And it disrupts our games. What do you think that does to pros who have... Way better timing, way better just overall mechanics, 
and way better skills. Lag punishes them even harder. God, I hope we can go back to land for next season. Because if not, the COD League's in trouble. But we'll see. We shall see. As far as as far as my actual predictions go, it's hard to predict all of the games this weekend because I don't I'm recording this at a time when uh, games are still currently going on. Uh, Toronto beat London 3-1, and Minnesota and New York are currently playing. So I'm going to flip over to YouTube and see what, what this game currently looks like <laughs> to, uh, to see what we're dealing with here. As far as uh... yeah, of course it's in. Uh, of course it's in intermission. Who won game one? Uh, let's see. New York. New York won game one. New York took the first hard point. So, fair warning. That is when I'm recording this segment. <laughs> but New York did take the first game and. If I had to predict this one as it's in progress, yeah, New York's winning this one. Like, Minnesota has been kind of a mess for the past couple months. Like, they just fell off really hard, kind of out of nowhere. And New York just shot up and and basically took their place. Like, they flip-flopped in my in my power rankings, like completely. And that means, Oh, the winner of this one gets Chicago. Chicago's still winning that one. <laughs> Chicago is a hundred percent still winning that one. And Toronto is a hundred percent going to lose to Florida. London versus Paris in losers bracket should actually be really interesting. I think London will win. Because I think they are better than Paris and they actually have potential to make some kind of, of loser's bracket run. And loser of this game gets Optic. So I think I think Minnesota can beat Optic. It, basing it on my prediction that New York wins this series, uh, New York is going to lose to Chicago and Minnesota can beat Optic. Actually, no matter who wins this series, they are losing to Chicago. Guaranteed. And then, if my knowledge of the bracket is correct, oh god, winner of that gets Atlanta. <laughs> Ow. Winner of Florida-Toronto doesn't fare much better. They get Dallas. I mean, winner of Chicago and whoever comes out of uh, New York-Minnesota gets Atlanta. Winner of Florida-Toronto gets Dallas because that's that's just awful. I do think Florida actually beats Dallas, though. I think if Florida can make it there, which I think they will because they are better than Toronto, I think Florida beats Dallas. And I think whoever comes out of this Chicago series ends up losing to Atlanta. And no matter what, with with any of the teams who would possibly be favored, that leads to a very interesting winner's finals. <laughs> That leads to a very interesting winner's finals next weekend. 
that leads to an interesting championship weekend. Like, just period. And good God, the championship series is best of nine. I was not aware of that. That's going to be absolutely insane. Like, oh, you have to win five. You have to win five maps. That's a big step up from three. It doesn't seem like a lot, but jumping from best of five to best of nine is huge. That is going to be an insane championship series, whoever makes it there. And, I mean, it's playoffs, and with the god-awful online state of this game, who knows what's going to happen. Man, that's going to be... This is going to be fun. Like, I've ripped the league for... And mostly, it's more the current game of Call of Duty and it's terrible online servers. But it's also the league's fault for not planning better to find some way to have the playoffs on land. Like, there was some way they could have done this and hold up competitive integrity a little bit better. Like, when did the, when did the regular season end? The regular season ended almost a month ago. They would have had time. They absolutely would have had time to quarantine for two weeks, test everybody, and bubble it up. And it wouldn't even be been that big a deal because this thing is only going to be two weekends. It's not going to be a couple months. And not a whole lot of these guys are married a few of them are most some of the older guys are married but a lot of them even if they are married probably don't have kids like it's not like you're dealing with the nba and nhl and the bulk of the league is in like their late 20s to mid 30s the oldest guys in the cod league are in their mid 20s It's not like that, and it, it's not like they'd be leaving any family behind for an extended period of time. The playoffs and championship are taking over, taking place over the course of two weekends. Like two weeks to quarantine, two weeks to play the games, then you go home, and you hope and pray we can play on land again next season. It wouldn't have been that hard, guys. Cod League, it wouldn't have been that hard. But I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am still looking forward to the playoffs and to championships because, like, the league's been good all year, even despite having to switch online after, what, the first four events? Yeah, Los Angeles was the last one. The first four events. You had to you had to switch to online. And it's still been pretty good. So now it's just a matter of praying we can play on land next year. Which I think we'll be able to. I really do. Even if they delay the start of the season like a month, like you start in a month or two, like you start in January instead of instead of early February. Because when did the season start this year? Season started late January. Season started on January 24th. So really, if you start the season 
say like March 1st and you don't have as much time between events, like you can fit. If you start the season on March 1st, you can still have events for everyone and finish the season by the end of July. You really can. It'd be a much tighter squeeze, but it would be better for the fans because if you start from the beginning of July or the beginning of March through the end of July is that's almost five months. You can fit 12 events. Really, you can fit if they expand next year, which I think they will. And I think they expand to 16. You can fit 16 events in that in that window. You can 100% fit 16 events in that window. And it, it'd be a much tighter squeeze than what we had this year. Like, there wouldn't there wouldn't be three-week breaks between events. But you could get a couple, like, two-week breaks in between events. It's possible. And really, if you, if you start in March, you're fine. Really. You could probably start in March next year and be golden. Same with Overwatch League. Be a little bit harder. But they could start in March next year, too. Like, There's no seasonal restriction on esports. You can play it whenever, especially when you're dealing with franchise leagues that don't have... that don't feed to separate international tournaments like you do in League of Legends or Counter-Strike or Dota or any of the other games that aren't Overwatch and Call of Duty. But... We shall see. Next season, next season's certainly going to be interesting. I hope we can play on LAN. I hope there can be crowds. I personally think there will be, but you never know. But that's what I've got for COD League. Up next, we'll uh, get into some of the weirdness of the NBA bubble. That's up next here on the mashup. All right, NBA time and. This has been a lot more wild than I expected because both one seeds lost their first game. Didn't necessarily expect that to happen. I think they will still both win their series. But for once, Colin Coward had a good point. Rare, rare occasion this happens, but he had a good point. He said he noticed three things about the first game between the Lakers and Trailblazers, that Anthony Davis disappeared in the fourth quarter. But he's done that all season, so it's not that big a deal. The Lakers don't have a reliable third scoring option. That's been the case all season. Not that big a deal. The third one, and I didn't even think of this, so props to Coward, LeBron was passing too much. He was, in Collins' words, overpassing. And that could be a problem for the Lakers if if that keeps up. Because that's what always gave LeBron trouble. It gave him trouble when he was in Miami against the Pacers. It gave him trouble a few times against the Warriors, too. Not as often because they played way more small ball than uh, those those Pacers did during Miami's Big Three era. Because Roy Hibbert would just get in LeBron's head. 
And now the Pacers are doing the same thing because they have really good interior defense. And when LeBron's not feeling his jump shot and he starts driving and he just keeps getting blocked because the team he's playing against has really good interior defense, he starts to pass to the bigger guys like Anthony Davis or Kevin Love in Cleveland or Chris Bosh in Miami. And Anthony Davis is the second option. Kevin Love and Chris Bosh were the third option. Because in Miami, he had Dwayne Wade. And in Cleveland, he had Kyrie, who are both shorter than him. So if the interior defense is going off, he's not necessarily going to give the ball to, especially to to Wade. Because Wade is not a prolific three-point shooter. At least he wasn't during his career. He was a he was a slasher. Like he was a drive straight to the rim kind of guy because he had the hops to either get a big dunk or the layup, or he had a pretty good interior jump shot. He had, he could occasionally hit some threes, but for the most part, Dwayne Wade was a driver. <laughs> and now his second option is a center, which. In the modern NBA, not great. Just just ask the Sixers. When uh, their first option is a center. Oh, believe me, we will get to them. I have some takes, and I want to get them off my chest. We will get to them, trust me. And, yeah, I think, I think the Lakers will still beat Portland. I think they are the better team. But Portland has a chance. Portland has more of a chance than a lot of people are giving them. And a lot of people are saying Portland can win this. But there are, there are still some people out there saying, oh, there's no way Portland can actually win this. They don't have enough depth. They don't. They, they don't have anyone even comparable to LeBron James. But they have Damian Lillard. And that man can take over a game and has some serious confidence like, he pulled up from the NBA logo like it was nothing. Dude has the killer instinct. And all the greats do. And Damian Lillard's got it. And he's got plenty of it. So him versus LeBron, even though it's not a direct position battle, it's point guard versus small forward... There's still, that's still a really fun matchup. And Portland got the win in game one. I think the Lakers will probably bounce back and get the win in game two, which I believe is actually, uh, yeah, it's happening in a couple hours as I'm recording this. I think the Lakers win that game. And I'm really thinking the Bucks are going to win game two as well, their game two as well. Because why why wouldn't they? <laughs> they're they're the Bucks, and they're taking on the Magic. The Magic are not good. They played very well in Game One, and they got a huge upset. But they are not winning that series. But that's the thing. If these struggles keep up for the rest of the Bucks, Giannis is gone. Giannis is 
out of there. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure his contract's up soon. I think his contract's what, through the end of next year? When does his, when does his contract end? Yeah, so he is a uh, he's an unrestricted free agent after next season. So yeah, he's he's so gone. If this keeps up and they don't get him help for next year, he's out of there. And who knows where he goes? Because he he has to find the right teammates to play around him. Every every star player does. But it's still a question of where he goes and who would have the cap space to pay that absolutely insane salary unless he's willing to take a pay cut to win. Which I also think is something he is capable of. I don't think he would be the guy to say, no, just give me a super max and wreck the team's depth. I just want to get paid. I don't want to win. No, I think Giannis wants to win. And... If he does, he'll find his team. He'll find a place where he will still get paid plenty of of what he's worth. He will still get paid his value, but it will be less than his value actually could be. Like he would take less than a supermax, but even if he didn't get a supermax, he'd probably still be making eight figures a year. I think he is right now. Actually, I have his I have his salary right here. Yeah, his base salary is twenty five million dollars for this season. Almost twenty six. It's twenty five point eight million. His cap hit for next year is twenty seven five. So yeah, if he goes out somewhere else, he could easily command thirty a year if he wanted it. Now, that would wreck a team's salary cap, but he could command 30 a year if he wanted it. And I think he will he will probably get it if he finds the right place and he finds maybe older teammates who are still good that are willing to take a pay cut. It depends on where he goes. He could go literally anywhere. He could stay in Milwaukee and take a pay cut there and get them to sign people because he's a free agent draw. It's like, hey, you get to play with Giannis. You get to just fill up your stat sheet with assists, throwing lobs to him for guards. Or if Giannis gets double teamed, you're going to be open. You can go have fun. Like, there's ways to draw free agents to play with him. And the Milwaukee fans are pretty good. So it's not like you're trying to pull a team, pull a guy into a terrible fan base that just happens to have one really good player. Like, the fans in Milwaukee are actually pretty good at what they do. But if this keeps up and Middleton's not going to play well, because that's kind of the reason they lost the first game is Middleton didn't play all that well. And they don't really have any other scoring options. Giannis is gone. Giannis is going to walk if, if they don't start to improve a little bit. 
Hopefully they do, because I think he fits Milwaukee really well. And I don't want more super teams in the NBA. Like, super trios? I'm I'm kind of sick of super trios. I, I like the current setup of a whole bunch of dynamic duos. I mean, that's going to end after this year. That was, that was a one-year thing we got to enjoy. Where you had a bunch of two superstar teams scattered around the league. Like, you had Luka and Porzingis in Dallas. LeBron and Anthony Davis in LA. Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with the Sixers. Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward on the Celtics. Like, and unfortunately, Kyrie and Durant on the Nets. Now, I don't think that that particular duo is going to do a whole lot because they both have gigantic egos and they're both big time complainers. I don't see them doing a whole lot. But we, we shall see. We shall see. Now, for the true target of my anger, the 76ers. Why? I know Simmons is injured. I know Simmons is injured. That's fine. But oh my god. When you don't have Simmons, you feed Embiid. That is how you win. That is how you win when Simmons is playing, because Simmons can't shoot. You feed Joel Embiid. In most games, he is the tallest guy on the court. Give him the ball and let him do his thing. Just get out of his way. Brett Brown needs to go. It was a bad day for the city of Philadelphia on Wednesday because the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers all lost. Like, it was a bad day for the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> and heck, it was a bad day for me, because all three of my teams lost, because the Orioles lost too. But that's not really that much of a surprise. The Orioles kind of suck this year. Or at least I expected them to. They're doing way better than I thought they would. I didn't think they'd be 524 games in. But it, it's time. Brett Brown needs to go. And the rumors are starting to swirl that if they don't win at least two games in the playoffs, he's gone. And he should be. Get rid of him and throw all the money you have at Becky Hammond. Throw all the money you have at Becky Hammond. Because I don't think she's going to be the one to replace Popovich. I don't. I think it's going to be that other guy. His his other top assistant. Uh, what's that guy's name? Let me look that up real quick. Because he's, he's always been the guy, basically. Like he's... He's always been... He's always been, like... He's always been the guy who was going to replace Popovich. And Becky Hammond just kind of came out of nowhere because no one expected like a woman to really do that much coaching in the NBA slightly sexist but it's a fact like no one really expected a, a woman to do much in the NBA but like I don't think it's going to be long before we have a female head coach somewhere 
I don't think, I think the NFL will be the last one. I think the NFL will be the last of the big four to have a female head coach. I mean, they have a, a female offensive assistant in San Francisco right now, but I think it will be a while before you have a female head coach. I think the NBA is first. The NBA, then baseball, then hockey, then football. Actually, hockey might be last. Hockey might be last. Because even a lot of the women's hockey teams I've seen have male coaches. Or head coaches, at least. So, hockey might actually be the last. But, uh, yeah. Sixers, fire Brett Brown and start talking to Becky Hammond. And throw all the money you have at her. Clearly, Josh Harris ain't afraid to spend money. Dude wanted to buy the Mets and start his own sports network with the Sixers, Mets, and Devils. Dude is not afraid of a little bit of risk. He also doesn't understand understand sports worth a crap because there's no way in hell people would want a network that features the Sixers, Mets, and Devils because their fans all hate each other. And they wouldn't want them all on the same network. No one in Philly would want that. No one in Northern Jersey would want that. No one in New York would want that. Because Mets fans probably don't care all that much about the Sixers. Now, Josh Harris is probably not buying the Mets. That's going to Steve Cohen. But still, dude is clearly not afraid of a little risk. Throw all the money you have at Becky Hammond and get her to fix this team. Because she could do it. She's a better coach than Brett Brown. She is. And I think she would be a great fit in Philadelphia. She would be almost the perfect fit in Philadelphia. Like, your second best, your only other option, really, is Jay Wright. And he ain't leaving Villanova. Like, if Jay Wright wanted the Sixers job, which I don't think he does, I would say go after him. Because he already knows the city. He's already played... He plays games there multiple times a season with Villanova. Like, he would be an okay choice, but I don't think he's ever leaving Villanova. I think he's retiring there. But he's an option. Becky Hammond is the other option. Or Becky Hammond. No D on on the end of her name. Becky Hammond is the best option. Throw all the money you can at her, 76ers. Brett Brown is not the guy. He was the architect of the process as head coach. He was there as a stopgap. He is not He is not the Sixers championship coach. He was a bridge between Doug Collins, the process, and whoever was going to come next. He did a good job for what he was. He helped lead the team through maybe the most ambitious tank in sports history. That was his job. That was his role. He's served that role. We've got the guys. Now we just need a better coach to lead him. Because Brett Brown is not the guy. Dude needs to go. But 
that's what I've got for the NBA. Up next, we'll uh, talk some LCS. Their playoffs are raging right along, too. We'll get into that next here on The Mashup. All right, final segment of the show. And now that I have figured out how this absolutely insane LCS playoff format works, because I was very confused by it for a second, but now I've got it. And basically my takeaway from just looking at the layout, EG is screwed. Because at time of recording, C9 and FlyQuest are currently tied. Game three is in progress at the moment. And whoever loses this game is playing evil geniuses in the loser's bracket. Both of these teams are better than EG. So yeah, whoever whoever loses this game, because in the very confusing bracket, this match is known as match B2. Between the second seed and whoever the first seed did not pick out of the A1 and A2 winners. The third versus six game and the four versus five game. Which were known as A1 and A2. So Liquid got to pick whoever they wanted to play out of those two winners. They chose Golden Guardians. Which I think they are going to stop Golden Guardians. That game, I believe, is later today. No, that game's that game is. If you're listening to this on the day it came out, that game is today. That game is at four o'clock Eastern. Team Liquid is going to win that game, and they're going to win that game very easily, because Golden Guardians is not very good. And that'll pretty much be the end of Golden Guardians Road because they're going to run into TSM. So. Sorry, GG. <laughs> it is GG's for you. Now, I will be very happy if you eliminate TSM because that would be funny, but I don't know if they're capable of it. I think whoever loses out of out of the likely matchup of Team Liquid and Cloud9 will probably eliminate TSM because I think that's how the bracket would shake out. Yes, the winner of, uh, oh no, TSM would have to make it to the last uh, loser's bracket round. So it is unlikely that uh, TSM will make it too far because I think TSM is going to choke because they're TSM. Their, their Valorant team has stolen all the mojo that the league team had. And they're actually winning things and are one of the best teams in the world. You could not say the same for the league team. These guys are probably going to get stomped at some point in the playoffs and before they get to finals weekend. They I don't think they're going to Worlds. I think they'll lose the the loser's bracket game in week three. Which would be the probably them against whoever loses what is effectively winner's finals. Which is going to be, more than likely, Cloud9 and Team Liquid. Whoever loses that gets the pleasure of beating up on TSM. 
At least that's my prediction. That's not at all set in stone yet. TSM could TSM could lose and be out and not even have a chance to get stomped by Cloud9 or Liquid. Unless unless Cloud9 and Liquid both lose to unless Cloud9 and Liquid both lose their first round two matchups, it is very unlikely that uh, TSM is going to play one of them unless they both lose actually only only team liquid has to lose which i don't see happening so yeah i think i'm thinking your winner's finals is going to be cloud nine versus t or team liquid and your grand finals is also going to be cloud nine versus team liquid just because they're the two best teams in na and the drop off to third is significant (laughs) Well, FlyQuest is still pretty good, but the drop-off after FlyQuest is drastic. (laughs) Because then you go to TSM, then Golden Guardians, then EG, then 100 Thieves, then Dignitas. NA may have improved, but uh, no one ever accused us of being deep when it comes to League of Legends. It's a shame, but it's a fact. We are not very good at this particular game. I think we can do some damage at Worlds, both from Team Liquid and Cloud9, but they have to get there first. And I think they will. Because that's the great thing about NA playoffs this year. If you make it to Winner's Weekend, you essentially have... Like, 75% of the teams who make it to Winner's Weekend go to Worlds. Like, the only way you don't go to Worlds is if you lose the third place game. That is the only way you don't go to Worlds if you make Winner's Weekend. If you make Finals Weekend. Because winning NA, winning NA Summer, does nothing other than give you the first seed at Worlds. If you lose NA Summer, if you lose the Finals... Congratulations, you're the two-seeded Worlds. That's still a pretty good spot. The second seed from a major region? Yeah, that's still a pretty good spot at Worlds. That's what's great about this playoff format. Winning the domestic summer title does nothing but bragging rights. I mean, the spring domestic title was only bragging rights this year because there was no MSI, but still. Like... If you make it to Grand Finals, congratulations. You're going to Worlds. It's just a matter of, are you going as the one or the two? And still, I think those two teams are Liquid and C9. Because C9, they're, they've proven to be the two best teams in NA. And I think Cloud9, despite their struggles, now that we have hit postseason is going to is going to turn it back on and turn into the unkillable titans of NA that they were in spring when they lost what two games total one of them was in a playoff series that they still ended up winning they lost a regular season game and a singular game in a best of 5 so they have lost more in summer, but the rest of NA has improved. And that's a good thing because it's better to challenge them before they go to Worlds. 
Same with Liquid. But I'm definitely... I wouldn't be shocked to see FlyQuest win this series. They're they're up in Game 3 right now. They have a reasonable gold lead, and they've got a two-kill lead at the moment. They're up 2 nothing in kills, and they're up about 1,000 gold right now. So I wouldn't be totally shocked to see them win this series, especially with Cloud9's struggles as of late. Like, since they lost 100 Thieves, they've just felt off. And I don't know what what's up. Because I know, like, they were playing on land for a good chunk of spring. Like, the spring split only got moved online for the last couple weeks and the playoffs. And then summer has been exclusively online. So I don't really know what happened, but they've been off ever since the 100 Thieves loss. And I'm not sure why. I think they are still our best chance to do anything at Worlds this year, but if they keep up with the struggles, maybe not so much. And my hope then rests on the shoulders of Team Liquid, which I know it's a completely different roster, but given their performance last year does not inspire a whole lot of confidence. But the LCS playoffs should still be pretty good. I don't think they'll really start to spice up too much until next weekend because you're starting to get down to the wire a little bit where next weekend there's only going to be four teams left. And I mean, if there's only four teams left, three of them are going to Worlds. So if you can get out of this weekend, you have a very good shot of going to Worlds. So I think I think next weekend is where it'll start to get really spicy because it's going to be the battle for third place. Liquid and C9 were pretty much guaranteed to go to Worlds about a month ago. Who gets that third spot? Because right now, everyone still has somewhat of a chance other than golden guardians. I don't think they have a chance, but EG could technically like EG FlyQuest, TSM. They could all be the third team at worlds. My personal opinion, I think it'll end up being FlyQuest because they're keeping pace with cloud nine, which like I said, even despite their struggles is really hard to do. Because they're still really good. So right now, my prediction is FlyQuest is the third team at Worlds. Heck, it could end up being C9 if FlyQuest wins this thing and then, you know, wins again against them. Because they'll probably have to play each other again if they uh, if FlyQuest wins this. Even if FlyQuest loses this, they will probably have to play each other again. Because both of them are losing to Liquid. That's, like, Liquid is going straight to Grand Finals. Like, they're not going to drop to loser's bracket at all. C9 and FlyQuest are going to have to battle it out for whoever gets that second spot at Grand Finals. And then whoever doesn't win that gets the third seed at Worlds. Like, that's, that's my prediction right now. And I think that's pretty solid because NA is NA. 
We have three good teams right now. And that's it. But I think NA's prospects in League of Legends are looking up overall. I think by summer of next year, we'll have like four or five competitive teams. Now, we might not have four or five spots at Worlds. I think need a little more sustained success to get an extra bid or two beyond three. If if we do well this year and Europe struggles or Korea struggles, I could see us getting a fourth world spot. Instead of, you know, the two of them. Like if, if Europe or Korea really struggle at Worlds this year, which, if I'm being honest, Europe is the more likely outcome of those two because Korea is looking really good this year. If that's the more that's the more likely outcome. If we can outperform Europe, I think for next year we'll have four world's bids. And I think we will have earned four world's bids. Because for whatever reason, I think next year NA League of Legends takes a step. It takes another step towards being more internationally respectable. But that's just me being a bit of an optimist. I could be totally wrong and we could bomb out of worlds again this year. I don't know. It's hard to judge, especially when there was no MSI or Rift Rivals to really tell how good we actually were compared to the rest of the world. So, uh, and we won't know for another couple months because Worlds generally doesn't start till October. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. I'm going to enjoy this, though, because I think I think we'll do some damage at Worlds this year. Just one optimist, homer-tastic NA fans prediction, though. But that's what I've got for the show today. Hope you all enjoyed. I got a little rambly in that League segment, but it's League. It's kind of a confusing game. So it's not a surprise that people talking about it get a little rambly. But uh, hope you all enjoyed the show. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. And I will talk to you on Tuesday. See you then. What you gonna do now?